Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods. Putting STEM into every classroom, every day. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods, and we try to share more ideas of how you can add science, technology, engineering, and math into your everyday classroom. And it doesn't matter what kind of classroom it is. Uh, Today, we're going to be chatting with Jenny Mitchell. She is a fifth and sixth grade ELA teacher in Perrysburg, Ohio. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. And I'm so excited because you're going to be able to share some great ideas of how uh, those science, technology, engineering, math things can collide with English language arts. I'm looking forward to some great ideas from you. So, you know, I'm, I'm setting the bar away up high for you here. <laughs> That's great. I love the word collide. Hopefully we can have some excitement like that. All right. Collisions, explosions. We'll see. We'll see what we learn here today. But first off, you can find Jenny on Twitter at Jen Mitchell, E-D-U, and Mitchell's with two L's. And of course, as always, links and things in the show notes. But Jen, if you could just tell us how you kind of made your way into the classroom and education. Well, so I kind of made a non-traditional route into education. I started off and as a speech pathologist, an audiologist, and wow. I loved that career. It was a great way for me to learn to have conversations with people and figure out what they needed to learn. But mostly after neurological problems like stroke or head injury. And what I discovered after getting to know those patients in the acute care hospital mm-hmm. was that teaching them how to read, process, think, and write after they lost that skill was really what I loved the most. So I took that background and then went back to night school when I had two kids and added a third. Yeah. And started about a decade ago into the general education setting, but with the whole understanding of how to meet diverse learners and special needs, just because yeah. of my first career as a speech therapist. And you've taken some of those aspects of early technologies even and, and said, I want to have this focus on technology in my English language arts classroom. Yeah. Um, you know, I was sharing with you earlier that even when I was a graduate student at the Dayton VA, there were some veterans that were experiencing some speech difficulties and slurring from Leroy Gehrig's disease. And so trying to program their augmentative talkers for them to make sure that the accent was on the right syllable for a family member's name, just to see them light up that I could find a way to program things that were that meaningful. I wanted to carry some of that into the classroom and, you know, currently use that same technique to really, uh, I don't know, dial down and get the right feel, the right aspect of how we use technology. Yeah. And sometimes when people think about literacy and English and, and language arts and things like that, they think immediately of a book or writing on paper. But like you said, just those things of speaking, of, of auditory, and those kinds of things are, are really part of that literacy as well. Yeah, you know, you can never completely negate the need for a hard copy paper book, but there's so many things you can do with that. You know, you can have a Padlet about what kids are reading, or you can devise an electronic version of that same book. You know, there's lots of ways you can jump off of that hard copy and then do things with literacy that also engage speaking and listening because those are the standards that are really so hard to hit the speaking listening standards at least for us language arts teachers right those those are the things that you know you can't you can't just grade with a worksheet you can't just grade with a test you know it's it's much different focus on literacy there yeah 
So you, you do a lot of different things using technologies in your classroom to get more than just a worksheet kind of idea. So share some of those ideas. What are, what are some of the ways that you have been using uh, those kinds of aspects? All right. So uh, in fifth and sixth grade here in Perrysburg, all the students have Chromebooks. And so we're really, really fortunate to be one to one. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I discovered a few years back that there were some aspects and apps that you could really use in a literacy minded classroom with iPads. Mm -hmm. So the Perrysburg Schools Foundation here in our district allowed me to write a grant and, and then they they underwrote a huge amount of money for my classroom to get carts and the supporting cords and the Apple Care and iPad. And because of that, I was able to start using some iPad specific apps like Clips and iMovie and other apps that really aren't only iPad specific, but you can use Bloxels and even Sock Puppets. So there's a lot of student production and creation that goes on using the iPads and then a certain amount of production that goes on using Chromebooks. But I love being able to use both of those. So Mm -hmm. we're kind of a a two to one classroom, which is fabulous (laughs) when you want to be able to use other kinds of technologies for like a green screen that you wouldn't be able to use with the Chromebook, but you could use it with an iPad. Right. So you just mentioned green screen technology. So how do you use that in a, in your fifth and sixth grade classroom? Uh, you know, one of the most boring things I think for kids to write are the typical research paper expository writing kind of format, yeah. which happens to be what we do in the second quarter. So they're itching to get out for the holiday time. It's getting cold and dark. So they finish this huge research project on a really famous Ohioan. And I found a buddy downstairs who I know you know, Jason Hubbard, built us a TED Talk platform. So when the kids were done doing their writing, I put a TED uh, stage in the back of the green screen as our backdrop. And then they could actually give their TED Talk on a TED stage. So the animation level and the engagement level, it was so much more exciting for them because they were sharing what they learned about water pollution. They were sharing what they were researching about with all the different topics. And they were really excited. And when you have a, when you have a stage, I mean, you're not just going to do, you know, your average effort or mediocre effort. You're going to, you're going to up your game because you're going to be on stage. And they could see themselves on that stage before I ever had them uh, stand over on the, the platform. So they could see the TED stage behind them. And then we tweeted it out to their parents and they thought it was absolutely marvelous. Wow. So teachers, perfect idea right there. Ask someone in your school to help you build a TED Talk style stage or, or just find a stage in your school and just play up that process. Um, and again, Jenny, you mentioned Jason Hubbard and uh, Jason's also a great friend of mine and he was on episode 109 and 110 of the STEM Everyday podcast. Definitely check it out because he's got some great ideas as well. So now, what other kinds of ways? Have you, have you used some like blogging and those kinds of things as well? Well, one other way that I'm using the green screen right now is oh. the kids are using uh, myth writing right now. So some of the kids are finding these fairy castles and like cloudy skies that look really mythical. And then they're uh, using Book Creator so that they're going to put the clip from their green screen in to their book creator to show them acting out their myth in the castle or the cloudy sky. So it's adding a little nuance to their book creator because you can add multimedia in book creator. So that's one more way to use the green screen that that was helpful. 
and a lot of people are using that book creator app is tell um, somebody that has never used it before. Is it, is it easy to get the hang of? Um, is it, is you know, it, I think it's probably one of the most intuitive ways to create an electronic book that's out there. So okay. you can um, use it collaboratively mm-hmm. and it's a different level of, you know, book creator option. You can get a free version or you can get a level that lets kids collaborate. They could be in different class periods. They could be yep. different schools or even, um, for example, we wrote a book with some kids in Sydney, Australia on oh, wow. fourth grade slang. That was when I was teaching fourth grade. So, you know, the difference between a Sydney, Australia student uh, creating a slang word and our students <laughs> in Marysburg, it's, it's super simple to create books with book creator and embed the multimedia, you can embed your voice. And this is what I love. It really allows the playing field to be even because you can use uh, voice to text. And so students that are reluctant text uh, or typers, or maybe they've got some fine motor, it allows them to also get a paragraph written without taking the entire class period. So that's a really important to think consideration, you know, when you're trying to get a lot of text on a, a book, right. it's really helpful that way. And a lot of kids, I mean, I know myself and probably most of us, we can talk all a lot faster than we can type or write. Yeah. And you can draw images, you can draw pictures, you can, um, you can narrate your book. So if you just wanted to narrate the words that were on the page itself, you can allow your book to come to life and have all that extra expression. Again, getting those speaking and listening standards that we really can't get in as language arts teachers. Right, now, okay, so that, those are a couple of different things. What, what other ways are you, are you adding uh, those different technology ideas and things in your classroom that work really well with your kids? So right now, as I mentioned, the kids are writing myths and they had two different ways to choose to create their mythological book. They could mm-hmm. do book creator mm-hmm. or they could design their myth inside of a video game. Oh. So we're using Bloxel's EDU. Okay. And they filled out a pretty simple Google Doc with the template. So I knew that they had a definite beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. The three examples of conflict as they were going into their middle. There and they go. had to name their protagonist and their antagonist and their minor characters. So they didn't and just get to just make a video game on blocks. No. Well, you know, there are certain plot elements that I said, hey, this is going to be on the rubric in the end. And I want your myths to have these components. And, you know, it was the end of the year. We've studied literature for two of our four quarters. And so I says, kind of a great culmination. You take yeah. all this knowledge that you have and then you design it into a video game. So I said, uh, in each scene, if you're gonna use Bloxels, I wanna have at least two to three text boxes that help move your story along. So the person playing your game, cause we're gonna publish these on Thursday, the person playing your game will actually understand what's happening as they're moving through your scene. Yeah. So, Book Creator was one of the options you could use for your mythology unit um, end product or the Bloxels to design a video game. And the kids are absolutely loving the Bloxels. That's cool. And then yeah. just, just thinking if, if anybody has never heard of Bloxels, it's basically like a 13 by 13 grid board and you put these tiny little cubes in and you can create your own kind of pixel animation for those things and, and definitely check it out. Um, there's tons of resources and different things online as well. And, and if you think of video games in our world, video games are not just a game that you play and you're done and, and it's over. It's the ones that are engaging, the ones with good story, good, good flow to it. And, and that's really what you're doing. You're drawing that aspect yeah. in with your kids. And because all the kids have access to the Chromebooks, and I think a lot of students have Chromebooks in the United States when they might not have iPads. So one of the things that I started using this year was CoSpaces. Okay. And CoSpaces.edu is 
a platform, it's a web-based platform that allows students to create and design a scene that's three-dimensional. So in terms of teaching point of view, you can always tell where the point of view is going to be because there's a camera that's located in the scene. So if you wanted to turn it toward the character itself or out toward the scene, the students can devise a scene. And so one of the things I had the students do was devise a scene that was meaningful to you. And mm-hmm. I'll use some different uh, notice and note signposts by Kylie Beers and Bob Prost and say, create the scene that really is the strongest notice note signpost from this week's reading. Mm-hmm. And then they can devise their scene and build their scene. And then we'll talk about point of view and work that in as to, you know, where's the character looking and why is that important? Well, so most, some of the ways to work in the literary, you know, content standards. Yeah. I would, and I would think that most kids, their writing is, you know, very simple still at that fifth and sixth grade level. And, and anything that they're writing, they're only thinking about just the two characters that are talking. They're not thinking about what else is in the room, what else is happening. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. And actually some of the kids that are in our intermediate school are coding downstairs. So they've found ways in cospaces.edu to code. So the character is actually able to move through the scene. And then, of course, they can add text in those scenes as well to give some extra explanation. So it's a lot of fun. Plus, it really comes to life for them. It makes the book actually come to life because they can see the scene that they're visualizing. Yeah. And and I would think that that's a lot of also just like someone who writes a screenplay for a a movie. And then when they actually get to see it come Mm -hmm. to life, that's that's that. Um, that whole different aspect, the visual comes with the, the literary. Those are some great ideas. And again, we're chatting with Jenny Mitchell. And again, you can find her on Twitter at Jen Mitchell, E-D-U, Mitchell with two L's, just to mention that. Um, so it sounds like you've found a lot of ways, and, and I'm guessing you're not done looking for ways, right? To add no. that STEM piece <laughs> to your classroom? You know, I, I am always looking for a really good integrated way that engages kids and lets them always think about how a book is is impactful in their own life, but what they can do with that book to make it come alive. You know, they can create that scene. They can make that book about it. They can make that space, that three-dimensional space, because Mm -hmm. then they want to keep reading and they want to keep going through that book to see if there's even a better scene to create that space with. There's just a couple other things that I found kind of helpful in the past too. There's um a really cool web-based technology device that we might want to throw out there that's yeah. called Plotagon. Okay. P-L-O-T-A-G-O-N. All right. com, And that they're actually based out of Sweden and you can make the characters in the Plotagon app. They're pre-selected. They can move through the story and you can devise plots. So it's a great way to work on writing dialogue. Because we always have trouble with when the character is speaking, we have to put the you know quotation marks around what the character is saying yep. and some strong emotion. And so Plotagon, um, even though they're preset characters in the preset environments, like you can choose from a restaurant, choose from a library, choose from you know airport, but it's still you're still devising a story. So it's really cool. Great. Characters are something that you have control of their emotions and what they're saying and how they move throughout the space. Okay. So, so maybe less of the focus or less of the, the brain power coming up with all the, the surroundings right. and you can focus, help those kids to really focus more on what's going on between the characters. Yeah. And I loved, I use that more in fourth grade because it does eliminate a lot of the extra side issues. I mean, it's just the two characters. You have a few environments to choose from and a few different characters to choose from, but I found it really helpful when you're working on writing dialogue effectively and how the conversation shifts from one character to another. 
Cool. So and you, you have to punctuate it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So do you see a lot of these kinds of things as, as really what, what the future of, of an ELA or a, a writing, a, a language arts kind of classroom is, is going to be? Well, so all the things that the kids are doing in terms of their co-space design or their, uh, their Bloxels design or Plotagon or any of these other apps that we're using uh, involves them planning, thinking, revising, editing, you know, and being able to put the text in. And if you wanted a kid to write a five-paragraph essay uh, for a state test at the end of the year, right. they would be actually planning, devising, editing, revising, and, and getting a final product. And so, really, it actually incorporates all the skills that we want them to be able to do. But we also are really allowing them to be a thoughtful digital citizen because they're learning how to not take someone else's character away and, and augment whatever the other person before them had gone in because that's really a really important skill. And so yeah. I'm, I'm really hoping that it's not just improving their literacy skills, but it's going to get them ready to be a stronger, more thoughtful collaborator and digital citizen. Yeah. So I think what Jenny is explaining to all of us is that none of her students are going to grow up and write sequels of movies that have already been written. So they're going to come up with brand new stories. Brand new <laughs> you can only hope. But, you know, it's, I guess the, the key to no matter what subject area you teach is how can you keep your kids coming back for 180 days and desirous of learning something new? And then putting that skill into play with wanting to not just do it because it's good enough for the teacher. They're, they're doing it because they want to share out for the world. There you go. And they want to keep producing something that they're proud of. And they're not going to be producing it just because they're on paper and pencil. Right. And it's to get a grade and it's something to turn in. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that, that they yeah. like it just as much as I do devising things for them to go find to do next. Well, I, I like what you said about the planning, thinking, revising, editing, and getting that final product. Those are, those are very much all incorporated into that design process of, of a product that you might make in a STEM lab or a steam lab. Those are, those are the same kind of things that happen in a makerspace and, and in a science lab and, and all those kinds of things that there's such a connection between that writing process and that design process of, of any kind of classroom. Well, and you know, one thing we didn't really mention, but I know it's such a big part of the makerspace too, is, you know, the failures along the way, mm -hmm. it, the kids don't always come up with what they want to make it look perfect the first time, nor do we. And I think that that's a really good, important part of the process to kind of teach them that, don't give up when you don't get done, try it again, try to find a different way or even yeah. seek out a peer. You know, that's again, helping that collaboration piece because yeah, you might need to go to someone else that already learned how to make that character go through that scene to go get that special power in the next part of your Bloxels. And, and it's there good to go. help them work together. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking that most every book that's been written, somebody else has read it for the author. Someone else is yeah. looking that over and saying, well, I would add this or I, oh, that was terrible. And yeah, we need to get kids to be able to do that as well. Fun final question here, Jenny. Again, we're chatting with Jenny Mitchell. If you could have somebody come into your classroom from STEM, past or present, and just be a guest speaker in your classroom for your kids, who, who would that be? Well, I'm lucky enough. I've got some uh, really good friends that live in the Ohio area, one is right downstairs. I have Jason Hubbard come in again anytime to give some suggestions, and that's at J S N Hubbard, and that's H U B B A R D. Right. But John Smith uh, lives in Alliance, Ohio, and he's been such a mentor and such a voice of reason. Whenever I have an idea, I want to throw his way, and that's yeah. at the iPod Teacher. Yep. 
And uh, one other person I would love to get in because he's got so many great ideas. He lives down in Naples, Florida, and it's Joe Merrill. And okay. he's at Mr. Merrill's class. Yep. He does a ton of things with Flipgrid, which I really forgot to even mention. I love Flipgrid. Just beginning of the school year because you can get a one-minute timed reading for your literacy purposes to try to get to know your kids. Yeah. They can also do some book reviews, which is really helpful. Um, so the kids can offer a book suggestions to someone else if you set up the right flip grid. Those are, those are definitely great people. Uh, again, we've chatted with Jason Hubbard on the show before. John Smith is going to be on an upcoming show as well. Good. I'm excited Good. to be uh, interviewing him soon too. Jenny, any other last thoughts, uh, things that you, we, we hit on and do you want to revisit or any other big last ideas you've got for teachers? You know, I think when it comes to language arts, we know that there are so many standards that we have to get to that I think sometimes we're afraid to step into that technology piece because we feel it might take away the time to get to our content. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the things we have to realize is there's a way to make the content fit and still make it engaging to use the technology. Because, you know, if you really want to get to that R and the SAMR model, you really want to fa find a way to redefine your classroom. Right. And it, you can use technology to enhance what your kids are doing for all the reading, writing, speaking, and listening standards. So don't be afraid to jump in because it's going to get you further as opposed to being more of a stopping block. That's, yeah. I guess, my last thought. That's awesome. And again, uh, Jenny just mentioned the SAMR model. If you've never heard of it, S-A-M-R, got to go check that out. Anybody that's listening, if you've never heard of SAMR model, Okay, this is your assignment right now. Go look up SAMR, type it in to Google, you'll find out and, and it'll blow your mind about how we really use technology and, and the apps and like so many of the things that you were talking about, uh, Jen, in your classroom, you're not just giving something to replace the pencil and paper that those kids are using in your classroom and, and those are just uh, really good ideas and, and great things to take those kids to, to whole other levels of thinking and creating. So again, Jenny, I want to thank you for being on the show with us today. And I really, really appreciate the opportunity to visit and chat about language arts and how it fits into STEM. Yeah. And, and again, and it's so important, uh, Jenny, just as you're doing in so many different ways to add that science, technology, engineering, and math piece, that STEM piece to any classroom, whether it's English language arts, reading, writing, everything can have that STEM aspect to it. And it can help those kids to be better creators, better thinkers. And then it's not so much just us teaching in these little silos, these little, okay, now we do reading, now we do math and never the two meet. So um, thank you for all your, all your great ideas, Jenny. And I oh, hope people so will, welcome. I hope people will find and follow uh, Jen on Twitter at Jen Mitchell edu. Listen to all the great podcasts on the STEM Everyday podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, your favorite podcast app. You can find me on Twitter at DailySTEM or DailySTEM.com. And we'll chat with you next time. You're listening to this podcast on the ESDAC Broadcasting Network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit RemarkableChatter.com.